by the way, the end of the show, I was highly insulted that I didn't have anything happening for me. I'm just simply left in the hotel as Johnny and Lucinda go off to happiness ever after. Everybody's happy, practically, and almost happy. Except Lisa, she's just standing there. And I thought, damn, they should have had at least had just a handsome man come in and say, hey, Lisa, all's not lost yet. On today's episode of the Daytime Confidential Podcast, Luke and I welcome a very special guest. As Lisa Miller on As the World Turns, she was television's first love-to-hate bitch. Now, since that iconic show has gone off the air, Eileen Fulton is focusing on her wildly popular cabaret performances in New York City. In fact, she has a very special Christmas performance on Friday, December 17th at Don't Tell Mama in New York called I Remember, or at least I Try. Eileen, thank you so much for being here with us. It is certainly fun to be here with you. Oh, we can't wait to have a chat with you. (laughs) Oh, great. (laughs) Before we jump into your storied career on and off daytime, what can you tell us about your upcoming show at Don't Tell Mama? Well, it's a very good show. What can I say? (laughs) And uh, I... I love some of the new music that I'm doing. It's all new. I have a new uh, a director. Her name is Diana Basmazian, and uh, she's really fun to work with. And helping me, uh, Bob, who is my musical director, we're tying it together and making it even better. We have plans to travel all over the country with it. Okay, well, well nice. And I understand that some of your fans, um, you have a contest on Facebook where some of your fans can pick a song. I do. I do indeed. Well, we will be encouraging people. We posted a link on the blog, and we'll be encouraging them to go over again and and help win that contest. (laughs) Oh, that would be such fun. (laughs) It would really be fun. Eileen, you've been you began playing the role of Lisa in 1960. For fans who may not know, how long have you been singing professionally? I was singing before. Oh, I was going to say before I was born, but no, that's a stretch. Uh, I was singing when I was just a little girl. Uh, Daddy was a Methodist preacher, and uh, I had a built-in audience. Ah. Yeah. In wow. fact, one day, it was on Good Friday. Uh, Mother had put out my little outfit for Easter Sunday, and I couldn't wait to put it on. I couldn't wear it on Good Friday. Mother said, no, you can't. You have to wait. So when we got to church that evening, everybody was dressed in black and gray, and they sang these hymns. I couldn't understand. Uh, There's a fountain filled with blood, and I thought, this is terrible. I thought, these people need to be cheered up. So when they finished that hymn, I just ran down the aisle, jumped up on the altar and sang, Mammy's little baby love short and bread. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Daddy couldn't say very much about it because um, his mother is the one who taught me the song. He just, he just said to Mother, he said, woman, come get your child. And she said, she's your child, too. 
So uh, I got my first public spanking. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> yes. Wow. Well, in addition to World Turns, uh, you've appeared on Broadway in such productions as The Fantastics and Who's Afraid of... Yes, Yes. Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Now, as a Southern boy myself with stars in his eyes, I have to ask, what gave a young woman from Asheville, North Carolina, the courage to move to New York and follow her dreams? I was very lucky. My mother and daddy... Uh, now, I will say that my mother was a school teacher, so she had her audience. Daddy had his congregation. They understood this this need to perform. Mm-hmm. And uh, Daddy got me, a, after I finished college, uh, he got me a, a place to stay that would be safe called the Alma Matthews Home for Immigrant Girls on West 11th Street in New York City. And okay. I was just very lucky to have uh, a backing, because I would have come anyway. But thank goodness they they helped me and they were encouraging. Now, I know that you have written several books about okay. your, your both nonfiction and fiction about your life and soaps. Just hearing that, just, just thinking about um, those days in New York City and living in a, a home for girls in the city, it just almost sounds like a... a a television show. Do you think you'd ever write about that time? Oh, yes, I would. I could certainly do that. I could do it anytime. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd love to read something like that. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Eileen, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd like to talk about your ear- early years on As the World Turns for a okay. bit. Uh, Lisa was so insanely popular that you had to have a bodyguard to protect you from angry fans. Yes, I did. Were you at all shocked that soap fans took your character's scheming so seriously? Uh, no, not really, because um, I had had some experiences before. Uh, when I first started the show with that woman who came up to me on the street, and she said, aren't you, Lisa? And I said, well, that's the part I play. And I was looking in my pocketbook to get my Tiffany Sterling Silver pen to mm. give her an autograph, my first one, and she hit me. And she said, I hate you, but <laughs> uh, that upset me. <laughs> but it I also bet. it showed me I was um I was believable and that's what I care about. And soon after that our show was live at that time. And soon after that one day we were preempted, so they used chemoscope. So throughout the country, they played the chemoscope the next day. And I was at B. Altman's, and I thought, boy, I can't wait to see myself on television. Everybody was stacked in there. Everybody was watching As the World Turns. It was the A number one hottest show anywhere. The place of men and women, they, all the TVs were turned on in the television department. And... I came in carrying a little tray, Lisa did, and I heard one woman say, there's that bitch. If I ever see her, I'm going to pull her hair out. And I turned and ran down the up escalator. I thought, I'm out of here. I've already been hit once. I'm not going to do that again. (laughs) Now, this was way before um, there was any, you know, shootings of J.R. on Dallas or anything like that. You were pretty much the first love to hate character in television. It is, um, is true. Now, and it's pop. Yeah. No, go ahead. No, that's it. I, I love being hated uh, as, <laughs> on the screen. 
Well, as popular as you were as Lisa, uh, you've spoken out recently about um, not necessarily getting along with the show's creator, Erna Phillips, behind the scene. What would you say fueled that? Um, I actually loved her. Mm-hmm. But um, headstrong, that's what I am. And she used <laughs> to call me up on the phone and say, Hello, Lisa. And I'd say, no, this is Eileen. She says, oh, no, dear. You are Lisa to me. And she thought she could rule my life. Uh, Rosemary Prince, I think, felt the same way, that she could not bear for us to act out of character (laughs) in our own personal lives. And uh, I had to put my foot down on that. So that's (laughs) where we we started having that. And then when I was going to quit forever, uh, I think it was the second time, Erna came to the studio, and she said, I need to talk to Eileen. So she came into my dressing room, and everybody was saying, boy, she's going to get it now. And everybody was scared of Erna. And she was so kind to me. She said, I understand you're wanting to leave. I understand you want to play other characters, and I wish you the best, always. And she gave me a kiss on the cheek. And it so touched me that when I walked out of the dressing room, I had tears running down my my face. And the kids would say, you see, you see, she made her cry. She made her cry. And I thought, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and I understand. But I just thought that was funny. Yeah. Well, you know, with with Erna Phillips, do you think that um, some of those eccentricities and, like, just living and breathing her characters... um, and coupled with the talented people she had playing them, do you really do you think that that's what made the show like jump up to the top of the of popularity and the zeitgeist sure. at the time? Yes, absolutely. Because Erna took it seriously. She didn't try to make us into a sitcom. Mm-hmm. She took it seriously. She took our characters seriously, and so did Doug Marlin. Those were our two writers who really cared and loved the characters. Mm. and made us more or less believable. Well, that actually sort of leads to my next question. Um, in addition to working with Phillips, you were also written for by such legends as Bill Bell and Douglas Marland. Yes. Of all the head writers you wrote, who wrote for Lisa, uh, which one do you think really understood what made the character tick? Well, Erna and Doug, I really think they both understood Lisa. There was one time, oh, Doug Marlin gave me some of the best stories ever. I I love both of those stories that they gave me, all of them. But I know one time I asked, excuse my dogs. That's that's quite all right. Rosemary Clooney and Ella Fitzgerald. (laughs) Luke has dogs that are always joining the podcast, so that's fine. (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad. (laughs) We're a dog-friendly show. (laughs) Oh, well, isn't that good? Uh, Let me see, what was I going to say? Oh, yes. One time I had a wonderful idea for Lisa. Now, the good thing about Doug was he was so secure as a writer and as a creative human being, he would listen to any suggestions anybody had. Now, not that he took them, but he would listen and Mm -hmm. tell you either why he could or, yes, he would go with that. Um, The one story I wanted to be, I wanted to be a real drunk, and I wanted to be a pill popper. 
said, <laughs> oh, no, our Lisa wouldn't do that. And I thought, okay, she would. Damn it, she would. So we had a, a, a to-do about that. But So he gave me a pill-popping, boo- boozing moment for one day. <laughs> and then he had me pass out on the floor, and that was it. We never <laughs> talked about it again. So I can't say that he ignored me on that. But he listened to everything. He was also very psychic. This, mm. Have I time to tell you this? Oh, yes. Okay, listen to this. Um, in my real life, I was leaving husband, too, in my real life. <laughs> I didn't tell anyone at the studio. Nobody knew. I had a vacation coming up. So, um, I, without telling anyone... I was divorcing my husband. Fortunata was his name. And then my brother came, was with me. He was uh, supporting me in the chaos of my life. And we went up to this hotel up in the mountains called Lake Manawaska. Nobody knew I was going there. In fact, I changed my name to Ruth Stern. So my ex-husband, almost ex, could never find me. He'd never think of me as Ruth Stern. Oh, wow. This sounds <laughs> and, like a soap plot. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, so my brother went with me up to this old hotel where I had taken him years before. When we drove up, Lisa, uh, we got lost, first of all. There was fog. There was rain. There was thunder and lightning, the whole thing. We drove up to this old place, and the... Uh, shutter was banging back and forth, you know, because it was off the hinges. Mm-hmm. And um, that's where we stayed for a couple of days or something. When I came back, Douglas Marlin had written this into the script. There is no way he could ever have known that that would have happened to me. Do you follow it? Does this make sense? Yes. yes. It was called The Willows. And uh, Doug didn't even know me. And he wrote this whole thing where Lisa is lost. She leaves Grant Coleman. Mm -hmm. She changes her name. She drives up to this place. And it's an old deserted house. It looks like a deserted house. Thunder and lightning. Oh, and you know what? They made the rain. (laughs) We were in a place in New Jersey to film this. This was actually filmed. And they had to use the water from the lake to spray the car and we had to do it so many so many takes that the um it started uh, raining uh tadpoles and getting squashed <laughs> in my windshield wiper <laughs> I thought I would say that. and my brother was with me at that time too he said i would never have believed this if you had told me somebody had written this and this had happened to you two weeks before i would never have believed it but i believed it that was Doug. Wow, that was that writer's intuition. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah. Now, going back a little bit before that time, uh-huh. um, your character, Lisa, was so popular that CBS gave her her own primetime spinoff, yeah. Our Private World, in 1965 to compete with Peyton Place. That's right. That is so unbelievable for, for us soap fans here in this modern age where – you know, all you hear is soaps are dying, soaps are dying, that a soap opera character was once popular enough to get her own primetime 
show. What was that experience like? How was it like taking that transition? Well, it it was wonderful because uh, Erna Phillips, of course, was behind this. And Mm -hmm. she had written, I think, two of the shows. She had a, it was supposed to be called The Woman Lisa, by the way. Oh, wow. (laughs) And she had a fight with CBS or TNG or somebody. Anyway, she quit. So there we were with this nighttime show. And this is odd. They had me, I mean, Lisa, (laughs) I get confused, Uh, on the daytime show as we're returned, getting on a train and a voiceover said, follow the adventures of Lisa tonight on our private world. So that night, there's the, this was actually on Kinescope, you know, tape. So that night, uh, it aired, and I'm sitting on the train looking out, thinking about poor Bob, and I've left everybody. And I take off my ring and put it in an ash can on the train. I got letters from people, but one in particular that said, Dear Lisa, my (laughs) husband and I saw you throw your ring away on this train to Chicago. We have gone through every train. We have gone through every club car trying to find that ring so you'll go back to Bob. I love it. I love it. Isn't that amazing? Yes. Yes. It is. And, you know, we experience that now um, a little bit, quite a bit with being um, bloggers because we see every day just how impassioned that soap fans can get. and. It's kind of frustrating because you don't see executives like Erna Phillips anymore that that seem to really want to pay attention to the fans like they did back then. And I know it. This is so upsetting to me. Mm. How can you possibly, how can they possibly work with a focus group? I say that carefully because that's not how I pronounce it. <laughs> uh, me neither. <laughs> because... If you give everybody what they want, now what should they want? Give them mm-hmm. what they don't want and make them suffer. <laughs> that's that's the key to it. Don't give people what they want all the time. I'll throw them a bone here and there. but. Well, Eileen, we couldn't have you on without discussing the famous granny clause where you, oh, yes. where you reportedly had it put in your contract that Lisa couldn't become a grandmother. Uh, we've yes. read several humorous interviews where you've dished about it, but walk us through that one one more time. I would be very happy to. It was uh, in, I think it was 74. They grew up my son over the weekend. Uh <laughs> And they were going to have him get married. And I thought, if they grow him up and he can get married, that means I will be in line to be a grandmother. And Erna, I talked with her on the phone. She says, well, yes, of course, that's the way it goes. And I said, no, it isn't. Because uh, I was standing in the control room when Claire Casson was talking about her grandchildren and her great-grandchild. And... uh, the two directors said, oh, my God, she is a grand- she's going to be a great-grandmother. Let's kill her. So they killed her. They hit her with a truck. And I said, <laughs> because she was so young, it, didn't, it wasn't feasible. And I said, I do not want that to happen. I do not want to be killed off. And it was to save my character. 
And besides, I was having a good romance, and they didn't think grandmothers had romance. Oh, please. Why is that? Could you, that because is just the silliest thing. stupid <laughs> and too young, I guess. I don't know. Who knows? So uh, I called up Erna and said, I am putting in my contract. She said, well, you can't do that. And I said, yes, I can. I haven't signed my contract. It's just sitting here, and I have not signed it. And unless you put that in, I will simply not sign my contract. I won't be around. And well, so that... that's okay. how we did it. <laughs> I was just going to say that's how I got it. Well, you know, nowadays, um, and you've been a vocal uh spokesperson for this nowadays they don't hit the grandmas with the the cars they just don't air them you know <laughs> what That's is what the, happened to me <laughs> what is the deal with that i mean you would I think know. that they realize that we tune in for the vets i know i i have been very vocal about this there is a way of course to use all ages there's simply a way to use it um because it's family, mm-hmm. and people just don't punch out just because suddenly they're a grandmother. <laughs> they right. They feel like it, depending on if you have to look after the kids. I don't know. Who knows? But I'm just, uh, I've fussed about a lot of things. By the way, the end of the show, I was highly insulted that I didn't have anything happening for me. I'm just simply left in the hotel. As Johnny and Lucinda go off to happiness ever after. Everybody's happy practically and almost happy. Except Lisa, she's just standing there. And I thought, damn, they should have had at least had just a handsome man come in and say, mm-hmm. hey, Lisa, all's not lost yet. And just get anything. Or just hand me a drink, a champagne. Uh, you know, Lisa drinks bourbon like I mean. That's the only thing that we There you go. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> God. Anything. Just mm-hmm. to say, yeah, well, she's not going to just dry up in a hotel. There's mm-hmm. too many handsome people there. You know, Eileen, that really frustrated us also as fans. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. it's a situation where... As much as, you know, we love John and Lucinda, and that was great that they got their send-off, but you are the premier super bitch of daytime, and your character's last scene just shouldn't have been about Lucinda and John. That shouldn't have been, especially being Tom's mother, Margot's mother, and all. There was so much more story there. Casey, um, my dream, I've said this on the podcast, my dream last story for Lisa was for Simon and for Simon, Katie's ex husband, for her uh-huh. to come in and say surprise that she was married to Simon. <laughs> well, I thought they might send in Grant Coleman and say, "Let's try again." Exactly, someone <laughs> for Lisa. I mean, with uh-huh. with the character being such a legendary, I mean, I know pre Erica Kane, pre Alexis Carrington. I mean, it, it was Lisa. It, or they could have had that handsome Paul Taylor come back. And say it's been a long time. Mm-hmm. And that would have been fabulous. We would have our own show by now. There you go. <laughs> you know, damn. It's just, they just wanted, to, I know they just wanted to twist the knife in my heart a bit more. Because I have been outspoken about a lot of stuff. Things that couldn't happen that they are making happen. I just, yeah, awful. 
Well, the truth comes out in the fact that shows like Days of Our Lives that just got renewed this last year, they focused in on their vets. Yes, and it seems like did. some of these shows are finally learning that yes. youth is not, you know, the great um, holy grail that they think. Mm-hmm. It is all part of life. And if the audience likes the characters or loves to hate them or whatever, use them, for goodness sake. Exactly. That is... Well, uh, Young and Restless do that as well. Yes, they do. They've always been really good about their vets. Mm -hmm. They certainly have. God bless them. (laughs) And it's so funny with the title. Their show is called The Young and the Restless, and they use their vets more than anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Eileen... um, while reading up, I, I have to tell you, I've read up on the history of this character so many times just because it, as the world turns during that time frame from like from circa 1950, the late 50s through the 60s, that was like the first wildly popular fe- period for soaps. Yeah. And the stories that Lisa did that really shocked America always just fascinate me. Things like... Lisa hiring a maid because she didn't want to do housework. or Oh, yes, but she played like she did all the cooking. Yes, or not <laughs> wanting to help Nancy. Right, and not wanting to help Nancy with her chores. Now, oh, of course. <laughs> this was the 60s, right, you know, as women's liberation was starting to percolate. Right. Do you think that that helped? Do you think that women were, like, they were shocked by Lisa, but they secretly agreed with some of her rebelling against these Absolutely. domestic... I had noticed every uh, whenever I go out and sing, especially years ago uh, when I was singing out in Omaha and different places, California and all, uh, people would come up and say, I named my daughter for you. And I said, why? <laughs> and they said, because she wouldn't let anyone step on her. She was a fighter. She was a survivor. And I thought, well, that's that's really the time. Lisa was definitely a survivor. Mm-hmm. So she didn't she, fare too well at the end. And she was an aspirational character. Oh, yes. I mean, otherwise you wouldn't name your daughter after right. Scrooge, <laughs> would you? No. <laughs> Speaking of Scrooge, let's get back to... I remember, or at least I try. Now, this is going to be this, this is going to be Friday, December seventeenth at yes. seven p.m. We're going to post all the information on the blog. Thank you. What kind of Christmas tunes will you be uh, cajoling us with? I'm going to do all kinds. Of course, I will do "Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's so bad, and. Uh, I talk about, I, I sing about uh, uh, a really bad thing I did when I was a little child, and I put it in to bring a torch, Jeanette mm-hmm. Isabella, and then I make a confession about the day I bit off baby Jesus' head. Yeah, it's, it's what I have. It's what really <laughs> happened. None of this stuff is not made up. It all happened. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, But I'm going to do some other things, too. I'm going to talk about the seasons I'm, uh i will start with i remember sky you, you know the sondheim song mm-hmm. and uh that's where i got my idea for my show and then i'll do things uh something else like stormy weather i'll talk about spring and summer and then we get to the the fourth season the 
winter time, and that's where the songs of Christmas come in. And somebody and, can come in and win a ticket, a couple of tickets. Well, now for those of us, now I'm here in Atlanta, Luke's in Nebraska. For those of for those soap fans who won't be able to attend, <laughs> um, will anyone be taping this? I would love to see it on YouTube. I, I'm sure it will be taped. It's always Good. taped. <laughs> Well, I will definitely be hunting for that so I can post it on the blog. Oh, that will, would be great. Definitely. We will encourage people um, to definitely run out there and see it this holiday season. Now, oh, thank you. Um, a lot of your PNG peers have been doing webisodes recently. Um, Tina Sloan from Guiding Light has been in several. I, I would kill to see you in a web soap. Do you think that's something you would in, uh, think about? Or? Uh, only if I could play a bag lady. Nothing glamorous, huh? Yes. (laughs) A little different. Well, you know what? I will talk to everyone I know in New York about that. Say, get to writing a bag, lady. (laughs) All right. We have enjoyed this immensely. Oh, honey. We're going to be at Don't Tell Mama. Yes. And we can't wait to see it and hear back from our fans in the New York area who we know will go out and see it. We know those We Love Soaps boys will be there, and they'll have oh, stuff to yes, post. Yes, they will. I can't wait to see them. I'm sorry yeah. you're not going to be here. I we am, are too. too. Luke, yeah. send me to New York. I want to okay. see Don't Tell Mama. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Listen, I'll be around. I'll <laughs> be around. You never know. Maybe I'll end up in Nebraska. Oh, well, there I, you I, go. That was I sang at a really big club out there in Omaha. Yes. Yes, oh. I did. Yeah. Well, that's Luke's nice. It's come to Atlanta. We we I sell can you sing out. in Atlanta too. <laughs> there you go. Yes, We've indeed. Enjoyed this immensely, and come any time. Oh, thank you. It's so good to talk with both of you. Yes. You too. Same to you. Okay, my dog send you sloppy kisses. Oh, okay. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> okay, you too. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.